brothers. We're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a high five. All right, cut and print. Beautiful guys. Dynamite. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, Nashville? What's up, Nashville, man? Peace to the city and peace to the planet. The baddest. The baddest. Podcast in Nashville, man. The only podcast that gives you a radio show feeling with a podcast undertone, man. Throw them headphones in. Throw them earbuds in. Listen to the only Black Father and Son podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. Why wouldn't you support something like this? My name is Jonathan Davis. I go by Junebook. Nashville, my name is Leon Davis Jr. And I go by L Dog, and I'm just, man, elated to still be breathing. And I know you said, man, really? Yeah, really. You See how folks dropping, man? They dropping like flies at him, man. But guess what? These flies are still flying over here, dude. And we're still being annoying, man, by giving you information, man, every week. So if that annoys you, man, I'm sorry. But if you get on this platform, man, and listen to what we're talking about, we're going to try to give you some good annoyance, man, but with some good information that's going to help our community, man, and help us to be better as black men. So I'm excited about being able to put another show out, man, put some more content out there, man. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to like this one today, man. This is a real... This, I'm not saying dudes that have been on him before are not real, but if you had any doubt, yeah, this this a real dude right here, man. And he coming with some great information, man, some great facts, man, and some great testimony about his own situation, man, and how he came through. And also, man, he going he gonna to get it kind of heated just like it is outside right now. Dude, it's burning, man. I don't know what you're doing, but if you're out there, let me just give you fair warning. Get you some water or we're going to find you on the sidewalk somewhere. So don't be out there tripping, man, like you a Superman. I know you real. I know you a dog. Dogs like water. Get you some water, man. Holla. Hey, it's hot. It's definitely hot, man. Shout out to Pops, man. That is the Black Man Vent 2 Ratchet Weather Report. Laugh a little on today, man. Yeah, Find man. some time, man, to just laugh a little bit, man. Put a smile on your face, man. And while you're doing that laughing around family and friends, tap in to today's episode. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it and say that our guest on today's show was incarcerated for 17 years, guys. If that ain't enough for you to listen to this, I don't know what is. I'll tell you what, man, and his mental health story needs to be heard because uh, 17, I don't know. I, 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 hey, man, I don't even want to think about that. But this brother has been through it, and he graced us with his presence, man, on our show to tell us about his journey and his story. Brother, I appreciate you, man, and I applaud you for what you've gone through and what you're doing right now. Sean Wilson is our guest on today's platform, on today's show, by way of virtual. Yeah. You know if a guy has a story and he's a black man, we're going to find any way to get him. Yes, right after this sponsorship segment break, man, tap into us, guys. We are the Black Men Ventu Podcast, coming to you guys with another great episode. The only Black Father and Son Podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. Let's get into it. Make sure you guys support Dream.org. Dream.org. Look into our description of our episode for today and check out Dream.org. Nashville, have you heard a black man vent today? Just like that, man. Just like that, we're back. We're back. Good morning to you guys, man. Good morning again. The baddest podcast in Nashville, man. The only yep, podcast yep. that gives you a radio show feeling with a podcast undertone. We are the only black father and son podcast in only. Nashville, Tennessee. Only. 
the only one. Make sure you know what you know, and if you don't know, now you know. Super excited, man, to be a part of you guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. part of you guys' week, part of you guys' morning. We are by way of virtual on today, man. Super mm -hmm. excited to have the guest that we have today, um, a young lady by the name of Jenny. She was able to find our platform, and through our platform, we were able to bridge connection to meet the brother that we have today. Yes. So presenting to some, introducing to others, our good friend, Mr. Sean Wilson. My friend, how you doing? I'm good, my brother. How are you? Man, all is well, man. All is well. We, again, want to thank you, brother, for being a part of our platform and gracing the Black Man Ventu podcast, man. We're super excited to hear your story. And uh, let's let's get into it, man. First things first, we want to ask you right off the bat, um, where you from, man? We, we, we're a Nashville podcast, so so I don't think too many people down here may know you. I'm not sure, man. You may be worldwide. You may be international, man. Let's, let's get into who Sean Wilson is. Your career, what you do, man. Um, just, just how you love, man. Just, just what you do. Your family background. Mm -hmm. Let's get to know who Mr. Sean Wilson is. Absolutely, man. I'm from uh, a place in Wisconsin called Milwaukee, four one four. So I'm about eight hours away from y'all, um, and I currently reside in um, Georgia. So um, I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, born and raised. Um, raised by my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, my, mo my mother was ex experiencing life. You know, I came on the scene in 1982 and, you know, had a, a, a good upbringing. You know, I had a great upbringing. My grandmother instilled um, many values and principles within me, uh, many that I continue to live by today. Um, I'm a father. Um, I'm a husband. I'm a son. Mm -hmm. I'm a brother, I'm a community member, mm -hmm. and I'm an advocate, you know, seeking um, innovative solutions to the issues that we face as a society, and more, and more specifically, um, to the issues that we face as black men, as the black community here in America. As you all know, we have had our share of trials and tribulations and struggles mm -hmm. for hundreds of years mm -hmm. um, since we came to this shore. And so I'm just glad that I am continuing to follow the foot. The the um, I'm just glad that I'm continuing to follow the blueprint that our ancestors have left for us by working on criminal justice reform, uh, which I believe, um, and not only do I believe this, but it's actual fact, a continuation of chattel slavery, a more sophisticated form of slavery. So that is my wheelhouse. That is what I'm working to dismantle. Every waking hour, um, every breath that I take, I'm thinking and trying to figure out ways of how we uh, reduce the footprint of mass incarceration here in this country. And so, um, as you ask a little bit about myself, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, raised by my grandmother. Uh, my mom was experiencing life. That is the reason why my grandmother had to raise me. Uh, sent me to some of the best schools in the state of Wisconsin, which afforded me the opportunity to go to any college on academic scholarships as well as on athletic scholarships. However, um, as a young, impressionable 17-year-old kid um, that made, you know, bad decision after bad decision, um, I went out and committed a, a crime, and as a result of that crime, I was sentenced to a total 
of 50 years in Wisconsin State Prison, oh. 17 of which I did initial confinement. So I served 17 years in Wisconsin State Prison. Um, it was at that moment that I realized uh, that that was not like. It was at that moment that I realized that I was not supposed to be in that environment, in that setting. It was at that moment that I looked around and I saw other black brothers who looked just like me, and not only who looked just like me, but were of the same age as I was. And not only were they of the same age as I was, many of these individuals that I had to, that I encountered were from my community. And so the 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 zip code in which I grew up in, the 53206 zip code, um, this is considered the highest incarcerated zip code for black men in the United States. And so as I was growing up in this community, as I was growing up in this zip code, you know, I often um, would see a brother one summer and then the next summer I don't see them. And so I often thought, you know, in my, in, in, you know, in, during my adolescent, in my adolescent brain, like what happened to Ghost? Um, what happened to Shorty? What happened to Debo? I often yeah. asked myself, what happened to these brothers? Yeah. And I didn't know. I knew that they weren't dead because yeah. if they if they was dead, there would have been T-shirts and balloons and memorials. I didn't see any of those things, so I didn't know what happened to these brothers. But um, I knew that something happened to them. They disappeared. That one summer they there, the next summer they weren't. It wasn't until I myself disappeared from this zip code that I realized they were languishing in rural Wisconsin in one of these prisons with space age time. And so that seems to be the narrative within black communities all across this country where young black men are being kidnapped, in my opinion. They're disappearing from their communities, from their families, from the, their home settings. Um, and being sent away as a result of an indiscretion, as a result of um, a, tra a trauma response because hurt people hurt people. And so that is, it was in that moment that I realized that's what was happening to the brothers that were, that I saw one summer and then the next summer I didn't see. They were disappearing and they were being kidnapped from our neighborhoods and they were settling or being sent to rural Wisconsin where they were languishing in prison. And so as a 17-year-old kid, I was sent away um, to serve 17 years in Wisconsin State Prison, um, 17 years that I spent cultivating my mind, um, 17 years of which I spent healing from the trauma in which I grew up in, um, and not allowing um, my current situation uh, be exacerbated not allow my current situation to um, make me become incapacitated or uh, just languish in, you know, my poor decision making. I didn't allow that to happen. Instead, I opened up those books and I traveled the world and I came into an understanding of who I was as a black man. I came into the yeah. understanding of who I was um, as a son, as a, a community member. Um, and ultimately, I came into an understanding of what my responsibility was to the world and to my community as a whole. And so now I'm walking in that purpose. I'm walking in that reality that I have a responsibility as a black man to be a constructive force 
in my community, a constructive force in the world and not a destructive force. So yeah. I'm working to disrupt that narrative of black men who have come home from a period of incarceration. That's my main focus is to disrupt and change that narrative of black men who are returning home after a period of incarceration. Man, I lo hey man, I love all that you just said, man. And I was just sitting here thinking, man, what you said earlier. It is such a travesty, man, that not only what happened to you, but you said it. It happens in a whole lot of communities, man. So what did that tell you? It's a plan. It's a planned action, man, to keep us down, man, because at the end of the day, and like my son always says, so I have to be try to be politically correct, but we are a multicultural platform. But our base is to try to empower brothers, man, to be better mentally, physically, whatever way we can help, man. So with that being said, man, you spending that time the way that you did, man, there's a lot of people that can't take that, man. You know, they can't take being locked down for such a long time and being um, in a situation where they can't basically do anything about it. But you took the alternate route. You said, you know what? I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to make lemon. I'm going to make lemonade out of this lemonade and serve me. And, man, I applaud you for that, man. I applaud you, yeah. brother, for that. I really yeah. do, man. Yeah. Because Thank there's you. a lot of brothers that don't have the fortitude don't have the mental capacity to do what you did, man. So what do you or who do you attribute that characteristic, you know, from? Where did you get that character from? From your mother, your grandfather, grandmother? Where did that come from, man? Because, again, that's not normal for a 17-year-old to be able to take what you took, man, and, and but still turn it around into something positive. That's, that's a beautiful thing, man. But how were you able to do it? In other words, who did it come from? Yo, 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 Nashville. What's up, what's up, what's up, man? Peace to the city and peace to the planet. Hope you guys are enjoying today's episode thus far. Believe me, man, we got a lot more to go, so stay tuned. But right now, if you guys follow our platform regularly, then you know the first half of our Black Man Vent 2 episode. We got to get into what is called the BMVT ad break. Yes, guys, we have advertisements, and someone invested into our brand, so in return, we want to invest in theirs. Let's see who we got. My boy Ty and the Covenant Apparel. You guys don't know what the Covenant Apparel is? Let's check it out. The Covenant Apparel is an inspirational clothing brand that inspires young teens and adults to take that first step towards their dreams and goals and make a covenant not to give up. Covenant brings influence and innovation into the same conversation, changing the game for those who seek elevation and being a part of a community that encompasses positivity, support, and growth. Tie and the Covenant Apparel's three pillars are motivation, community, and fashion. Cultivating a community through Motivation Mondays, advocating for mental health, and using innovation and creativity in the fashion sense. It gets no better than that, guys. Um, Ty has a pair of shorts, Nashville, that you can have them be shorts over your knees or shorts above your knees. So if you like your knees out and you like Hoochie Daddy shorts, or if you like your shorts over your knees and you feeling like uncle, feeling like aunt at the cookout, he can do both, man. Y'all got to check out these products, man. Great quality, 
great brand and a great brother. Guys, get into the Covenant Apparel. What are you waiting on? You're sitting here listening to me and you ain't went to his Instagram yet. Maybe you didn't go to his Instagram because I ain't said it yet. So let's get into the social media handles, man. Follow the Covenant Apparel at the Covenant app on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. That is T-H-E-C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T-A-P-P. That is on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn, you can find them at The Covenant Apparel. He even offered a promotion, guys. He's offering a promotion that lasts from today's episode to August the 1st. We have various products currently ranging from $20 to $65, and we pride ourselves on quality and quick shipping. If you come from Black Men Vent 2, enjoy 15% off your order using the code BMVT. Y'all still sitting on this phone, not going to the web. Go to the website right now, man, at thecovenantapp.com. That is T-H-E-C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T-A-P-P.com. And use our code BMVT to enjoy 15% off of your order. Ty, we love you, brother. We support you being the Black Man Ventu Podcast. If you guys would like to advertise anything, any business, any product, or your brand on our platform, give us a shout. Shoot us an email at blackmanvent, the number two, at yahoo.com. Let's get back into the episode. I would say, I would say it comes from, you know, the creator, from God. All right. Um, it, right. it it comes from it comes from our ancestors our ancestors on, you know man. when we when we when we reflect back or when we study history we mm. understand that our ancestors under under underwent a great deal of torture a great deal right. of trauma um a great deal of witnessing um their families being stripped from their arms and sent away to god knows where so yeah. they were able to endure that and they endure that so that I can stand here this very moment and have this conversation about what my experience has been that is parallel to theirs. And not only have this conversation about how my experience was parallel to theirs, but also have a conversation about how we really intentionally dismantle this system that it yeah. is that is intent on um, 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 subjecting black people to the worst form of dehumanization. So true. So the true. worst form of dehumanization. So that's where my strength comes from. My strength comes from um from, from our creator, from the scriptures, whether that be the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, that's where my strength comes from, the knowing that there were individuals who came before me who right. underwent greater circumstances that, you know, challenged their mental, that challenged their heart. You know, the head cannot accept the fact that you have to be locked away in the closet for a lifetime, but the heart understands it. And so I will also attribute my heart, you know, to me surviving 17 years mm -hmm. in a, in a cage, 17 years in a closet. So mm -hmm. I will attribute, you know, that strength from, from, to my heart, to God, to my grandmother, um, and, and, and to our ancestors. One thing that my grandmother used to always say to me, um, and I continue to quote it often in a book of Isaiah, she said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. didn't say, nor does yeah. the scripture say that the weapon won't form. Yeah, it just yeah. says that 
it won't prosper. And so I held firm to, you know, that Bible verse that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I held firm to the Quranic verse that says out of every hardship, there's ease. So I knew that I was going through this hardship, but I knew that after this hardship, there was going to be ease. Mm. Just like you take base metal and you yeah. put it through the fire and it comes through as gold. Yeah. That's what I attribute my experience to. Yeah. Tupac yeah. said it best. He said, you thought my time away, you thought my time away, I was going to die, but it only made perfection. Yeah. So I said, I went through the desert. I yeah. reflected on my poor decisions. Yeah. I reflected yeah. on, you know, the things that I did that was unbecoming of my upbringing, that was mm -hmm. upbecoming of, uh, of the scripture in which was instilled in me in my upbringing. I reflected mm -hmm. on all of those things and I began to unpack. I began to heal from those things and I began to make amends so that when I, when I t uh, stepped foot on free ground, as they call it, or as I stepped foot back into the free world, as we call it, in, 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 in behind enemy lines, I knew that I was going to be an asset to my community, that I was going to build a family that was going to continue my legacy in the right way. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm very mindful of how I show up because I have a son right now who's named after me. I have a daughter, you know, right. who has to go out into the world and yeah. encounter the same things that I encounter. But I want to make sure that they are in, they are equipped with the tools that they need to not give in to peer pressure, that yeah. they are equipped with the tools to not um, uh, pursue that which is fleeting. To yeah. not give in to the vices that they see on social media or on the movie screens. I'm mm -hmm. equipping my children with the tools that they need to say, no, my, my, my father went through all of that on our behalf. Yeah. And he has showed us and told us the end result thereof. So yeah. I don't yeah. need to go through it because I vicariously have lived it through my father's stories. So mm -hmm. I know how to respond and react to these situations when they come upon me. And so that's what I'm equipping my children with. And that's what I'm equipping the, um, the young brothers and sisters that I have the privilege and the opportunity to use my story to deter them from engaging in a life of crime, engaging in behavior that is going to cause hurt upon another human being. Yeah. And often in those cases, that other human being looks just like them. Yeah. And sure. so I'm trying to disrupt, you know, that self-hatred. Think about it. If you go to a crime scene in any black community, you go to a crime scene where a murder has been committed. You see a young brother laying on the ground with dreadlocks, pants, half sagging, tattoos, you know, some jewelry. He's laying on the ground. He's dead. A week later, uh, two weeks later, three weeks later, however long it takes for them to capture the perpetrator, that perpetrator looks just like the brother that is laying on the ground who has been killed. What does that tell you? That is self-hatred. We're killing ourselves. Yeah. When I look in the mirror, I see my brother. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm able to pull out this gun, this knife, this these drugs, and give it to my brother knowing the end result, that is self-hatred. So true. 
So we're continuing to kill ourselves because we hate ourselves. So the the, the answer to that problem is for us to be, for us first and foremost to heal, and then secondly is for us to come into the knowledge of who we really are as people. My my my, I love it. I what, love what, what it. You, I love it. You 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 said you said so much in mm-hmm. that, Sean, mm-hmm. that that I want to touch on one thing that you just just hit on that black people are notorious for not doing and that's healing yep we don't we don't take the time to naturally put the band-aid over certain situations in our past man mm-hmm. you know we, we we for some reason we we shy away from it you know and i think that is the the telltelling thing in a lot of the mental health conditions that lead to mental health illnesses you feel what i'm saying yeah a lot of people you know, don't know the difference between the two as well. You can have a mental health condition, but not necessarily have a mental health illness where it's diagnosed, where it's, you know, where it's pushed on. Mm-hmm. So just just, just swaying the conversation a little bit more, man, to your family, man, because I think it's a beautiful thing oh, for you to have went through 17 years yeah. of solitary confinement and come out, man, to the point where you got a beautiful family, you got, man, your, your, your wife, if you will, and your son and daughter, man. So can we get into more of that conversation, man? How did a man that spent so much time, you know, bogged down, if you will, like you said, in a cage, come out to man being the man that he is now, man? You got your wife, man. You, you're happily married. Um, you got your kids, man. Like, what a success story, man. And man, we're just glad to I have you it. on the platform, I man. I'm, I'm in awe of you already, brother. But let's just, 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 just give Nashville, give our platform a little bit of that. Absolutely. So... I often say this in many talks that I give around the country, as well as uh, podcast interviews. I often say that I got out of prison before I got out of prison. And what I mean by that is I got out mentally before I got out physically. And so people wonder, like, okay, how is it that you're so successful? You have a beautiful family. You have a wife. You have children. You're traveling the country. Like, how did all of this come about? Well, it came about first and foremost while I was in that cage because all you have is time. And in that time, all I was doing was thinking, imagining, reading these books, traveling the world, seeing things that I thought I would never get an opportunity to see. But God has blessed me to see other than America. But to the point about, you know, my family, I pray for my wife. You know, I pray for my son and my daughter. You know, I came home. And six months after me being released, I met my wife. I didn't know that I was going to be, I didn't didn't know that she was going to be my wife, but everything that she was doing was informing me that this is her. Everything that she was saying was affirming me and letting me know that this is her. Like everything that I said that I wanted in a woman, she was exemplifying it. And I was saying that I wanted these things in a woman to my comrades who I was talking over the tears with while I was in prison. When I was saying to them, I want a sister that's like this. I want a sister that is like that. I want a sister that's going to hold me accountable and that's going to, you know, put my feet to the fire and not um, go along with my BS. That's the type of sister that I want. And I happen to meet that person in my wife. Mm -hmm. And so in, in meeting my wife, um, who was a Christian woman, uh, who's a Christian woman, and I was a Muslim man, she said to me, like, we're unequally yoked. How is this going to work? You know, 
And so we had a conversation about that. There's millions of Muslim Christian relationships that are thriving. So let's not sit up here and, and assume that this relationship is unequally yoked just because you call God uh, um, um, Jesus and I call him Allah. If we do a translation, Allah in Arabic translates to English to the God. You know, the God, (laughs) you know, Jesus in Arabic translates to Isa. Arabic uh, Christians who speak Arabic call God Allah. They call Jesus Isa. So let's not allow that to prevent what God has intended to be the greatest thing that ever happened to you and I. Mm. And so we didn't allow that to happen. And so we could we 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 went ahead and built our relationship and a year later, I asked her to marry me. And so we got married. Uh, we had my son first, Sean Jr. Um, and then probably about nine months, well, about a, a little bit over a year later, we had my daughter, Amina. And so um, um, I prayed for, you know, everything that I have, um, everything that I have as it pertains to my family, my career, I really, I prayed for it. I spoke it into existence. My grandmother used to talk to me about the power of the tongue and uh, about, you know, manifesting things. And so that's all I do. I manifest these things with my mouth. I think it as a man think it. So is he. So I think it. And then I manifest it with my mouth and I do the work to bring these things into fruition. And so going going to prison as a 17 year old kid, I was arrested in my development and then coming and, and then being released back into society 17 years later, you know, that 17-year-old kid was still in there somewhere. Right. And so when I came home, you know, of course, I was promiscuous. You know, I went to prison at the, at the age of 17 during my most vi- viral years. And so I was dating multiple women and, you know, um, engaging in, in adolescent behavior as a 30 plus year old man. And then it hit me like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Like this isn't, this isn't your character. This isn't, this isn't you, you know, get it together. And then that's when I had to, I had to check myself and I had to remind myself of the 17 years of healing that I engaged in the 17 years of learning and cultivation that I engaged in and tap back into who I was as a man. And that's when, I met my wife and the rest is history. We have two beautiful children. She's an educator. Um, She's been an educator for over 10 years now. And I am uh, the organizing director here at dream.org, which is a national nonprofit founded by Van Jones that is committed to working on climate justice, criminal justice, and creating a pathway of employment within the tech sector for black and brown people and I have the, the privilege and the opportunity to train up um, other leaders um, who have similar experiences as myself um, mm-hmm. to um, advocate for change at the state level as well as at the federal level as it pertains to uh, the criminal justice system. Man, I love it, man. And I, I, I love the fact that you keep saying you pray, and I just don't know how people... I put it like this: When I was out on the other, when I was play, when I was playing for the other team, I wasn't praying, but mm-hmm. I was, existing, you know, what I'm saying. But when I started praying, I found purpose and I stopped existing. 
You know what I'm saying? I had something to go for then. And when you start allowing God to show you stuff and open up doors for you, I said this in a little talk I did not a couple of weeks ago, that when you're going through and you have a right connection with God, he will do things in your life, man, that won't nobody really understand your move, but you and God, you know what I'm saying? But at the end yep. of the day, they'll start seeing the results. And then that's when they start coming to you then. That's when you can be a witness, you know what I'm saying? But you got to keep living that life, and you got to be disciplined in that life, man. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm watching you, man, and you're a very disciplined brother, man. And so sometimes, man, again, we go through different phases in life. And you've been quoting some scriptures, man, so I'm going to throw one out there. But the scriptures tell us in the Christian Bible that Romans 8, 28, man, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord, and are called according to his purpose. And even while you was locked down, you was living Romans 8, 28. Because God yep. was working a bad thing into a good thing. And now I'm looking at a good thing, man. And I'm proud of you, man. Just met you today, man. But I'm proud of the work that you're doing. Because what's funny to me is this. I've never met a brother from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. <laughs> 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 you, usually when you talk about Milwaukee, yeah. I'm somebody I know in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Bucks and uh and uh after uh, I can't even say his name, but you know you know the brother played for the Bucks, man. Yeah, Giannis. <laughs> yeah, Giannis. Giannis, my man, Giannis, my main man, Giannis. But the help of a brother in Wisconsin that's doing the work you're doing, man. Let me ask you this: from what I just said. And I know you just said that you've been talking about it all along. How does the other culture, man, receive what you're trying to do? How do they receive it? Because I know you get a whole lot of hate. I know you do. So how do you deal with all that? Um, so fortun fortunately, I haven't received much hate. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because of my disposition and how I present and how I go into spaces. I go into I, I, I do this work from a um uh, from a values place um uh, values uh, place position. Mm -hmm. Um so I lead with my values. And so mm -hmm. when I go into spaces, I go into spaces um as a student. I go mm -hmm. into spaces as a listener. Mm -hmm. Um and I also go into spaces with the ability and the capacity to teach. Mm -hmm. And so I go in and I listen to what's being discussed. And I look for the parallels and I tap into those parallels to convey the similarities between us all, mm -hmm. no matter where you come from, mm -hmm. no matter what your background is. Yes, sir. There's only six degrees of separation between us, whether you black, white, red, green or yellow. There's yes. only six degrees of separation between us. Mm -hmm. There's something in your lifeline that you are proximate to that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. And so when I go into these spaces that is very diverse, mm -hmm. I am very mindful that that's what I need to speak to. Mm -hmm. I need to speak to the things that bring us together more so than the things that keeps us apart. Like because like as it. they say, a house divided will always, will always fall, but a house united will stand strong <laughs> against any tide that comes in its way. And so I'm always looking for collaborative relationships, relationships where we can put our minds together to solve the issues that we face as a society. Because when it's all said and done, whether you're black, you're white, you're brown, we all want one thing. Mm -hmm. And that is to live the American dream 
to be able to put food on our kids' table, to right. send them to the best schools, right. and to walk about the earth without anyone imposing their will on us. We want to be safe in our communities. We yeah. want to be safe in our homes. And we want to be safe in the, in, the, in, the, in, in, in community with other people. That's mm-hmm. what we all want. Yes. And so I always go into those spaces with that in mind. And I always um, expect, or not even, I anticipate having to debunk um, some preconceived notions that individuals may have about a black man. Yes, sir. You know, I often get the, the I often people off, often tell me that I look like Malcolm X, mm-hmm. that my disposition is that of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And it's an honor to be associated with our black shining prince. Mm-hmm. It's an honor to be told that I look like Brother Malcolm because I know that Brother Malcolm is just like me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I am Brother Malcolm because yeah. I yeah. went and yeah. spent a period of, 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 of a, a period of time um incarcerated and instead of me allowing my mind to deteriorate i cultivated my mind yeah man yeah man i cultivated my mind i took advantage of that time and really built my mind you know i if you look around my office right now you see nothing but bookshelves and it's nothing but books that has fed my spirit that has fed my mind yeah. And it has also fed my family and in the, any individual that I come in contact with. As you all said, you all spoke early on the show about bridges and being bridge builders. Mm-hmm. Each one teach one yes, to sir. teach all. Yes, if sir. I'm teaching you and yes. you teaching me, we yes. both growing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So yes. that's what I'm all about is each one teach, teach one. Everyone we can learn from. Sister Soldier talks about in her book how everyone is a chapter in our life. Everyone that we come in contact with is a chapter in our life. They're going to teach us something or they're going to deter us from something. I like that. Yeah, Yeah. I like that, man. I'm going to say what I like, too. We had a brother on here about a month ago, and one thing you said, he said he stopped because he calls me to do it. He changed my thought pattern on this. He was talking about money. He mm-hmm. talked about how he don't look at how much money he makes per hour now. Like when he get rid of buy a product, like you might want to go buy something for a hundred dollars. He said he don't look at, at at the price or the money monetary uh, side of it. He said he looks at how much time it took him to make that money to buy that product. So instead of saying I'm spending a hundred dollars to buy this product, it took me four hours to make this money. So I'm spending four hours of time on this thing, man. So is it worth it? No, it ain't worth it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking about what you did. You took all that time, and they thought they was, the enemy thought he was putting you in a position where you just going to rot away. you like, no, I'm going to take this time, and I'm going to redo my mind. The scripture says, uh, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2, uh, uh, be ye not conformed, but by be the, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Of your mind. That's what you did. That's what you did. So now guess who made it? The enemy. <laughs> the enemy. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And, 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 and to add a little bit more meat to what you just said, think about the story of Joseph. Yes, sir. You know, on, the story hey, of man. Joseph. We've been, we've been having some Bible study. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, on, think man. about the story. You know, you look at the story of Joseph, and this is so, um, this is so 
apropos to the black community because you had Joseph whose brothers took him and sold him into slavery. Yeah, man. So yeah, man. If, 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 if we want to do a, a history lesson, we can go back to Africa where our brothers sold us into slavery. Come and on, we man. came over here to America and we continuing to sell one another into slavery. Wow. Whether it's by selling drugs to one another, whether yeah. it's taken from one another, yeah. we're selling one another into slavery. Whether that's the slavery of of, of death, or yeah. whether that's the slavery of the penitentiary, or yeah. whether that's the slavery of a substance abuse addiction, yeah. whatever yeah. it is, we're selling our people into slavery. And so Joseph was sold sold into slavery by his yeah. brothers. Yes, sir. And what yes. he did, he went into the jail yeah. and began to educate the, the, the his fellow captives. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. once they got free, they went yeah. and told the president and the rest of the officials yeah. about Joseph. That's and right. they said, send for him. Yeah. And so yeah. Joseph came yeah. and, he, and he gave them wise counsel. Yeah. So the brothers and the sisters who have went and spent the period of incarceration in the confines of these correctional facilities all across this country, 40 plus percent of us are black in a correctional facility in this country. We're coming back to society and we're providing wise counsel to the elected officials, to the yeah. policymakers about yeah. the system that they're perpetuating that is causing harm to black and brown people all across this country. We're yes. providing that wise counsel. Yes. So yes. formerly incarcerated individuals aren't coming home and continuing to engage in a life of criminality. They're oh, coming home saying this system that you have in existence is a continuation of chattel slavery. The mm -hmm. 13th Amendment says that slavery nor involuntary solitude shall exist except mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a punishment of a crime. Mm -hmm. So if you commit a crime, you essentially become a slave. Man, man. And so that loophole, yeah. that loophole in the 13th Amendment and yeah. our Constitution has to be done away with. And yeah. that's what myself, our yeah. organization, Dream.org, and yeah. other organizations in this space are working to dismantle, to do away with. Yes, yes. I just heard uh, on uh, BNN, which is Black News Network, I just heard them talking about that yesterday, man, about Cory Booker and a couple of more brothers, man, that's up in uh in the political realm, man. They've been really fighting against that, man. And, hey, man, whatever it's going to take from black men, Vent 2, to, to help that endeavor, let us know, man, because I'm with it because I heard that yesterday. And I'm like, wow, it's so crazy that they still got this stuff in existence and yep. nobody, it, it's just now coming up. We should have been attacking that stuff long time ago. But like you said earlier, we so busy fighting the system, fighting evil, trying to do the things that we need to do as a as a as a race, man, that we stuff like that is just uphill. Cause we ain't got yep. time to mess with. But praise God, man, somebody got wind of it, man, and somebody's fighting against it. Praise God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to cut into a quick, quick commercial break, man. We're going to dive right back in, okay? We're going to wrap Let's up this it. segment, man. Hey, man. Yeah. Sean Wilson, a bad sure. dude, man. Hey, if y'all just like not Sean. tapping in, man. I like Sean, He man. is a bad brother, yeah. man. You got to get into yeah. everything that he's doing, man. Shout out to dream.org. Yes. Make sure we shout out dream.org, man. Tap into their website and everything that they got going on. 
right after this commercial break, guys. We'll get right into it. Let's get back into this episode again right after this commercial break. Nashville, have you heard a black man vent today? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. sir. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yo, what's going on, Nashville? Peace to the city and peace to the planet, man. Guys, first things first, before we get into our commercial break, our Black Men Vent 2 commercial break, we want to thank any and all that have supported the Black Men Vent 2 podcast. We're a small piece of leather, but we're well put together. With that being said, guys, our commercial break is dedicated to our partnership that we have gotten into with Tony Jenkins. Tony Jenkins is a senior marketing director for WFG, the World Financial Group. Black Men Ventu LLC has partnered with Tony Jenkins to begin what we would like to call the Friday Wealth Forum. Guys, make sure you pay attention. Each and every Friday night, starting this Friday, July the 28th, we will be on a Zoom call with Senior Marketing Director Tony Jenkins and others who are interested in changing and creating a financial legacy. For those that are listening today, are you right now ready and prepared monetarily to have anything for your kids once you pass away. Find out more information behind that and more with the Black Men Ventu Friday Wealth Forum. Guys, every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be on a Zoom call with Senior Marketing Director Tony Jenkins. This is an established brother in the financial industry who also has a book titled The Seven Keys to Fit Success, where he gets into more of how to create a financial legacy for your family. Every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we We'll be doing, again, a Friday Wealth Forum. Do not miss this event, Nashville. If you're broke like I am, don't miss this Friday at 8.30 p.m. The Zoom ID is 201-320-1400. The password is 117-3330. On this Friday Wealth Forum call, we will talk about legacy plans, the power of life insurance, debt management, taxation, investment options, and more. That has been today's Black Men Vent 2 commercial break. We hope to see you this Friday and every Friday at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Black Men Vent 2 LLC Friday Wealth Forum. Let's get back into the episode. Just like that, man. We back. We back, man. We are glad to be here again, man. Yes. Another week, another episode, a mm-hmm. hundred plus episodes in, man. Yep, yep. The only black father and son podcast in Nashville, Tennessee, guys. As we always say, 
Why wouldn't you support something like this? Tap in, man. Sean Wilson. Yeah, man. Born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I didn't know nobody in Milwaukee until right now. Yeah. So with that being said, <laughs> we're super excited yeah, to man. have this brother on the second half so of the Black Man Ventu podcast, so man. Nashville, have you heard a black man vent today? Mr. Sean, our trademark question, brother. What would you like to vent about today on Black Men Vent 2? What's on your mind? Yo, 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 Nashville, man. What's up, what's up, what's up? Peace to the city and peace to the planet. We hope you are enjoying Sean Wilson and his episode on today. But we need to give you guys a little break, man. If you guys are regularly listening to our platform, surely you are, right? Right. Then you know by now we get into what is called the Black Men Vent 2 Black News Weekly Segment. In the second half of our episode, we get into this segment to see what is going on in the city that is blackity, blackity, black, man. Let's check it out. Guys, if the button on your shirt wasn't made by old buttons, what you doing? If the button on your pants wasn't made by old buttons, what you doing? If the button on your jacket is nice, but it ain't as nice as it would be if it had buttons made by old buttons. My boy Otis, man, I gotta give flowers where flowers are due. This guy is by far one of the most creative guys in the city of Nashville. He is hosting what is called Trap Art Nashville. Guys, if you've never been to Trap Art or any of their events, you want to be at this event. August the 26th from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. It's for our late night guys at Old Buttons World, 1630 Church Street, Suite 110, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You guys can get those tickets right now, right now at trapxartnashville.eventbrite.com. You don't want to miss it. Get into it. August the 26th from 10 p to 2 a. Let's see what else we got going on, man, in the city of Nashville. You guys know we've been promoting heavily the Nashville Pro-Am, guys. Good basketball, good fun. The championship is this Sunday, July the 30th. They will have a three-point shootout at 4 o'clock, a dunk contest at 5 o'clock, and the championship game will begin at 6 o'clock. That is at the East Nashville uh, High School. Make sure you guys check that out. Championship Sunday, July the 30th. Lastly, guys, we want to show some love to all the back-to-school giveaways, man, that's going on. want to give some, some shout-out to my guy Jalen Guthrie, man, and Guthrie's Moving and Delivery. By far one of the best moving and delivery services we have in Nashville, Tennessee. They've been as far as Nashville all the way to i seen them boys in Minnesota somewhere. Well, check this out. They're going to be at 109 Maple Street, which is in Madison, Tennessee, 37115, Sunday, August the 6th from noon until. They don't even give you a time of when it ends. But they're doing a back-to-school community giveaway, guys. It is their first annual back-to-school community giveaway, again, by Jalen Guthrie and Guthrie's Moving and Delivery Services, guys. They will have free food, games, raffles, school supplies, and more. Contact for more information at 615-294-6575. Shout out again to Jalen Guthrie and Guthrie's Moving Delivery. That is today's Black Men Vent 2 Black News Weekly segment. If you would like something aired on our show to showcase what you're doing, let us know.
But in the meantime, let's get back into this episode. So, and 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 thank you again, both for the for the invitation. Um, thank you for the platform. I think the platform is is a powerful one because black men definitely have something to vent about every day. And so, for you all to provide this platform for us to do just that, um, it's a privilege and it's an honor. And I'm going to continue to, you know, follow you all and listen to your podcast and, you. you know, connect with the brothers and sisters who happen to be on your show. And yeah, so um, you asked me a question. What would I like to vent about today? There's so many things that I would like to vent about, but I'll keep it. Um, I'll keep it focused on the work that I'm doing every day um, because of the implications that it has not only on um black people but the implications that it has on the entire society here in america and that is the criminal legal system as we like to call it we're talking about a system here in america that incarcerates um 25 percent of its population and you're talking about a country that only represents five percent of the world's population let me say that again america represents Five percent of the world's population, but we incarcerate twenty-five percent of our population. So, in at any given moment in America, um, we have over two million people in prison in some type of correctional setting. Forty yeah, percent of that population, forty-two percent of that population, happens to be black, mm-hmm. and so we know. Um, the reason, the reasoning for that. Mm-hmm. And because we know the reasoning for that, we are working daily to disrupt this system of mass incarceration mm-hmm. in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. We're working to pass transformational criminal justice reform legislation at the state level. And the way that we are doing that at our organization, dream.org, is by collaborating with directly impacted individuals who have had some type of interaction with the criminal justice system, whether they are directly impacted, meaning that they have spent the period of time incarcerated in the jail cell or in the prison cell, or indirectly impacted, meaning they may have a family member, a friend, or a loved one who is currently incarcerated and have a commitment to change this system for the better. And so we are collaborating with individuals in all 50 states to reduce the footprint of mass incarceration at the state level. We're training up leaders and empowering them and enabling them with the tools that they need to advocate effectively, whether it's legislatively or whether it's at the at the grassroots level. In addition to that, we're also working at the federal level. Brother, you were speaking about Cory Booker, hearing about how he was um, talking about, you know, um, the 13th Amendment and chattel slavery. Our organization was one of the leading organizations to pass a piece of legislation at the federal level called the First Step Act, a piece of legislation that was passed into law, uh, that was signed into law by then-President Donald Trump. And so we believe that everyone deserves a seat at the table. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, conservative, liberal, whatever you are. We right. want you at the table because we feel that everyone can contribute to how we solve this 
problem of mass incarceration in this country. We're not going to get anything done if we're focusing on one party. We have to bring everyone together from various backgrounds and experiences to solve this problem. And so we were able to pass the First Step Act, which to date has um, returned home over 20,000 plus individuals to their families and their communities. And so that shows that that piece of legislation shows the possibility of what can happen when we all come together, when we come out of our silos and put our heads together to solve a problem that impacts us all. Yes. And currently our organization is working on something called the Equal Act. We are working to pass a piece of legislation that gets rid of the disparity between crack and powder cocaine. As you both know, the crack war has literally disintegrated, disintegrated the black community. It has tore apart communities, families for over 50 years now. And so we're working to get this legislation passed. If Congress passed this legislation, the retroactivity will return thousands of individuals back to their families and their communities the way that they supposed to be. And so those are, those are two of the things that we're working on at the state level and also at the federal level. We're working with legislators on both sides of the aisle. And we're also working with directly impacted individuals who have been impacted by the federal drug law in this country. And so we're encouraging folks within the sound of my voice, you know, to go to our website, sign a petition and tell Congress to pass the Equal Act. These, we're talking about two substances. We're talking about crack cocaine and powder cocaine. They're two forms of the same drug. Right, right, right. But the penalties that are the, the dispensed yeah. for each right. are different. You, you right. get caught with a gram of crack cocaine, you get a harsh sentence. You get caught with 10 grams of powder cocaine, you get a slap on the wrist. It doesn't make sense. And so we want everyone within the sound of my voice, within the sound of your voice, to go to dream.org and sign our petition where we're asking Congress to sign, I mean, to pass the Equal Act. We're asking you to follow us on our social media platform, to visit our website, to see how you can get involved. We're asking you to text empathy to 97483 to text empathy to 97483 to join our empathy network. We're talking about a network of over 3,000 directly impacted individuals, crime survivors, allies, and just people who want to see the criminal justice system change for the better. It's going to take all of us to solve this problem. This isn't a Democrat-created problem, nor is this a Republican-created problem. This is a both-party created problem and it's going to take both parties to solve this problem through legislation they passed legislation that has gotten us in this mess and they need to pass legislation that's going to get us out of this mess but it's going to take all of us voting um citizens and those who can't vote yes to hold them accountable yes we have a responsibility to the brothers and sisters who are sitting in sensory depriving closets 
Sensory depriving closet that are called cells that are in reality cages whose trauma is being exacerbated. Yes. The Department of Corrections says that it's going to rehabilitate, reform these individuals. They're doing the complete opposite, and they're doing it in our name, in the name of tax-paying citizens. So I urge you, yes, I urge you yes. to get involved in this movement to dismantle this criminal legal system that is causing significant harm, not only significant harm, but perpetual harm upon black and brown people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what has to happen. We have to let these legislators know that come into our community, that come into our churches, that come into our homes, that come into our community centers asking for our votes. What are you planning to do to get rid of the disparity that exists within the criminal legal system so that tends to harm individuals that look like me? So what true. are you planning to do? Yeah. And we should wait and listen for viable solutions and viable plans that they're going to put forth to address this problem. If they don't put forth the plan that's going to address this problem, they shouldn't get our vote. Yes, we, that's right. We shouldn't be moved by these flowery words. Right. right. We shouldn't be moved by it because right. we've heard it so often. So we, we, we hear it so often. We have to be moved by actual viable plans that's going to begin to undo years of harm. Years. Generations of harm. Yes. And so that's something that I want to vent about is that 40% of the correctional population in this country is black. There, um, there, um, um, there's a, a fast growing number of black women who are being incarcerated 90 plus person 90 percent of men incarcerated are fathers majority of the women incarcerated are mothers and so you want to know why so many young people are out here behaving the way that they're behaving their mothers aren't around their fathers aren't around and then not only that they're look look at what they're being exposed to look at their environments that they're in come on now Come on now. You you stripped the jobs out of the communities and sent yes, them overseas. Yes, sir. So yes, families sir. that was once middle class have been reduced to lower class. Man, exactly. exactly. And so you want to know how to solve the problems that we're facing in the black community? Create opportunity. Return to opportunity. Amen. Amen. Woo. Man, you talking down my lane right now, but create opportunity. We had that just on my job, and opportunity was created, but we can't go into that because that's something else. But, man, let me tell you what, man. The things that you're talking about, man, I've been saying this stuff for years. I'm just glad somebody now has the energy to do it because we've been, I'm putting it like this, we've been talking about it, but we haven't really been doing anything about it. And so what I've been hearing you saying is going to take, not only the black community, but it's going to take all communities to come together to try to solve these issues. And we think about it, that's what it took for the civil rights movement to, 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 to do what it did. It took the civil rights movement to get black, white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, whoever wanted to join in, to join in with whatever connection forces, 
finance or whatever they had to make that thing move and it happened. But like you said, it's going to take a collective effort. And let me ask you this. How can we get people, young people, to get behind what you just said? How can we get them to vote? Because that's the major part right there. It's just get them to vote and just get all of us to vote for the right people because you said that also. And matter of fact, while I'm on that voting thing, when are you running for Senate? <laughs> um so 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 i think so one of the things that i have the privilege of doing is going into various jails and, and correctional facilities around the country and talk about the importance of voting because there's a significant amount of individuals who are um uh, who are in jail pre-trial meaning that they have not been convicted of any crimes but they are awaiting mm-hmm. trial and so in mm-hmm. most of these cases um there's an election cycle that is happening while they are waiting to go to trial and find out what their faith is. They're eligible to vote. They're not, they haven't been convicted of a felony. They are currently a felon. And so they are able to vote. And so some of the conversations that we have been having with, you know, jails uh, for the last couple of years, uh, prior to my employee at, employment at this organization, when I worked for the American Civil Liberties Union, was put together... A apparatus that will allow these individuals to participate in the electoral process. Oftentimes, these individuals don't even know that they have the right to vote, um, that they can cast absentee ballots. Mm-hmm. They don't know these things. And so uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, educational campaign has to come about. Yeah. But more, more, than edu- uh, more so than an educational campaign, they have to be they they have to be made aware that their vote actually matters. Yes, sir. We all and and I think this applies to to all of us as Americans. We are all looking forward to the presidential election. We come out in droves to vote for the president. Right. But the elections that are the most important are our county supervisor, yeah, our um, our uh, our um, um, city councilman, oh, the yeah. mayor, oh, the yeah. school board, oh, yeah. um, the judges and the prosecutors, like all of these people who are running for election at the local level. These are the 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 election cycles that we need to give all of our attention to because they're the ones that are making the decisions that affect our everyday life. And one of the things that I realized when I got my right to vote back last year, February, um, I was told that I was no longer on probation, I believe, on a Monday. That Tuesday was election day. And so when they said, hey, you're no longer on probation, the next question I asked was, can I vote? And they said, absolutely. And so me being an informed voter, the next day I went, I went into the voting booth and I looked at my ballot and I saw the mayor's name, some city councilmen, some county supervisors, and a list of um, judges. Now, I knew who each judge was and what they stood for. Man, come on. Yeah. And I know that out of this list, there was probably about one or two that deserve a yes vote for from me, but I know I knew that there were thousands of Milwaukeeans who were going to go into this voting booth, yeah. uninformed of who these judges were, who these yeah. judges are, yeah. and how these judges has handed down sentences to individuals f- f- 
possibly from their community. Yes. Right. Um, so I knew that many of many individuals were going to go into the to the book um, to the booth and cast their vote for these judges, not knowing who they were voting for, which will put these judges in office for an additional two or four years. And so what I did was I took a picture and I made a post on Facebook and I said that the reason why most of these judges and prosecutors are remaining in office is because one, they're being, they're running unopposed. No one is running against them. So even a no vote, even a no vote is a vote for them. That's right. Because they have no opponent. That's right. That's and right. so it's very important that we get involved in the local elections because the local elections are the elections that dictates what goes on in our daily life. But how do we get young people to vote who are of voting age? We have to speak their language. We have to package it in a way that is appealing to them. Mm-hmm. My brother used to always say to me, you got to put the meat in the candy. Mm-hmm. Like to get my children to, to eat vegetables, I may spread some cheese over the broccoli, make yeah. it look good to them. You know, yeah. I, I, I may dip I may dip it in some caramel or something and they taste yeah. the sweetness. Yeah. And before you know it, yeah. the broccoli has been eaten. Yeah. You know, so you got to package it yeah. in a package that is appealing to them. And so I think the way that we get more young people to vote and involved in the electoral process is just make it appealing to them, man, and and speak their language and let them know that their vote counts. Hey, man, you made broccoli sound good, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's it's very telling, man, and just speaking from uh, Gen Z, I guess, you know, my generation, man, um, it's it's inspiring, bro. Um, need I remind our platform? This man was in jail for seventeen years, man. And and you just by being able to talk to you, bro. You know, I think about my life, and I'm like, I ain't did nothing in the last seventeen years. I feel like, <laughs> you know, this man, you ain't had nothing but thinking time. I'm like, what have I done in the last seventeen years? It's it's it, the point I'm making, Sean, is it's showing me to be grateful for the seventeen years I just had. You know, and what I'm saying is, it's a lot of people that have had 17 years and ain't done nothing with it. You know, I've yeah, had 17 yeah. years where I've been able to be blessed to have college degrees and, and you know, you're, you're, you're doing a whole bunch of things with, with in college with organizations and campus life. And then you maturate from that and you get jobs and, and, and failed relationships and all this stuff. You, you experience life. Bro, you missed a decent chunk of that, you know, like, like, and it, it's just, it, it's inspiring to me just, just to hear, first off, man, hear your story, understand that you literally took that time to cultivate everything that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it mm-hmm. just speaks, man, to the man that you are, but it also speaks to the story of the black man. Mm-hmm. You know, the black man has always had one less leg. We always got the crumb at the cookie. We what, always what dude tell us the other day. He said the black man is running a hundred yard dash, and our opponent has already got ninety, 90. yards on us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> ninety yards on us. Yeah, and we, trading, man, mm-hmm. and that's just I yep. think life showed that man. Like you know, the the court system, man, does what it does to people that look like us. Mm-hmm. And seventeen years later, man, you know, in years on, you 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 again, man, just 
just a testament to God. Yeah, you know, um, let's let's yeah. just be real, man. Like yeah. you yep. said, to whomever you you relate God to be, as you said, man. But man, you gotta know it's a higher power to give the story that you have. Man, come on, man. So yep. um, I yeah. just just hey, man. Yeah. Kudos to you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 if I if I could just add, I think you know, there's there's so many. You know, my one thing about one thing about me and my story is that I'm not unique. Um, there's, there's countless stories, um, similar to mine. Um, but how do we prevent stories like mine? Um, that's something that I'm constantly interrogating is how do we prevent another 17, 16, 15 year old black boy or black girl? Um, how do we prevent their most viral years from being spent in a correctional setting? And I think it boils down to um, black men standing up in the community. Man, come on, man. Black men standing up in the community as a force who understands what their role and responsibility is, first and foremost, to themselves, then to their families, and then ultimately to their community. As you notice, violence do not occur where there's a presence of force. Mm. Where you can have ten police cars lined up, yeah. and you're not going to see any violence take place. Man. So why can't we have ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty right. black men in the community right. standing firm? That's right. That's right. Representing a united force that we're not going to tolerate none of this BS that you young bulls are thinking about perpetrating. Yeah. Imagine if we had that. Man, look. In opposed to police forces occupying our communities. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's give black men the tools that they need to really um defend their community. Yeah. Let's let's give let's invest in black communities the way that we're investing in these third world countries. Let's invest in black communities the way that we're giving money to these um these these countries overseas yeah. let's do the same thing yeah. that we're doing for them yeah. for the black community right here in america that money they gave ukraine they could have gave us half of that man you know what i'm saying half of it yeah just give us half of it yeah man half of it you just said i think it's the key to it all man first of all we already know that the enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how does he start? He starts with the head. Who's the head? The man is supposed to be the head. So if he can get the man out of the family, then what what happens? You destroy a race. You destroy a culture of people. That's what it's all about, man. So think about this. I just heard Dr. Umar say this today, man, and you just basically spoke on it. But he said, we got to educate our brothers, man, to the point where they understand what's going on, not only what's going on in them, but understand what's going on around them. And the only way you're going to do that is you got to do better at educating. And we need programs and systems and things in place that will help brothers get to that, man. But he also said this. He said, we got to stop blaming our sisters for picking the wrong brother because at the end of the day, the sisters don't have really, really a lot of good choices. And the reason yep. they don't, because of what we've been talking about. 
Brothers locked down, man. Brothers ain't got the chance to get up, man, because they never had a chance to get up. You know what I'm saying? So Dr. Umar, he said, well, we got to start doing you basis folk on it again. We got to educate these brothers so that the sisters will have better choices. Because he said, for the last 50 years, you said, I heard you say this. And he quoted, he said some uh, speaking to that also. For the last 50 years, most of our men have been raised by single mothers. Because yep. brothers are out of pocket. And we yep. got to get brothers back in pocket, man. So a lot of this stuff you saying, man, is very encouraging, very inspiring. We just got to get the programs in place to help brothers, man. Yep. And and before we close, I just want to say one thing um, that I think is very important. Um, in this country, we send people back to prison for something called technical revocations. Mm. Um and what that means is um, you get out of prison mm -hmm. and you get a list of rules, anywhere from 10 to 30 rules mm -hmm. that you have to hear, adhere to. Mm -hmm. Some of these rules can be um, do not consume alcohol, do not consume um, any illegal substance. Mm -hmm. um, it can be do not associate with certain people, etc. The rules can range from whatever. Um, in Wisconsin alone, where we send about two to three thousand people back to prison each year for technical violations for violating a rule of supervision, wow. um, at a cost to Wisconsin taxpayers of about two hundred million dollars, mm. and that is not only happening in Wisconsin; it's happening all over the country. It happened to Meek Mill. Um, mm -hmm. Meek Mill was sent to prison for a mm -hmm. rule violation, not mm -hmm. committing a new crime. Mm -hmm. But I have a proposal, and my proposal is this instead of giving brothers and sisters probation agents when they come home, why don't we give them therapists? Mm -hmm. Why don't we give them access to individuals who are trained and equipped to help them? work through their trauma and ultimately heal because they say the data says that within three years of release individuals return back to prison so the recidivism rate is very high so instead of giving them probation and parole agents how about we give them therapists so that they can begin to heal from the trauma that the carceral system exacerbated because they're not diagnosing the mental health issues that these brothers and sisters mm. are coming into their facilities with. Yeah. Instead, they're allowing them to languish away playing dominoes, cars, and watching TV right. all day, every day, instead of addressing and doing that internal work. Yes, so instead yes, of giving them probation agents and parole agents, let's give them therapists. Let's really show that you're invested in the healing of the individuals who are coming home from a period of incarceration instead of giving them agents who aren't going to do anything but make an arbitrary decision and send them back to prison at a cost of taxpayers when in reality they need treatment mentally as well as physically to address the issues that they are dealing with. You know, I'm just sitting there listening to you because you, wow. you, you make so much sense, yeah, man. Yeah, but it's yeah. sad because we got so many things to get a person back in prison, 
but we don't have too many things to keep them out of prison. You know what I'm saying? Not, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, man. It's sad, dude. Wow, man. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Hey, man, again, whatever it's going to take, and however, black men vent too can be a part of Please, any of this. Let us, let know, us man. know, man. Because yeah, we're going to do everything we can as far as from the podcast perspective and getting the word out. Yeah. But if we need yeah. another push somewhere, man, let us know, man. Because that's what we all about, man. Yeah. We all about it. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Listen, listen, man, I, I, I love I love the, the platform that you both have. I love that it's you and your son. And there's a brother... Um, that I, I, I would strongly encourage you all to, to get on your show. Mm-hmm. His name is Tony Lewis Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, this is a brother who has collaborated with our organization for a couple of years now around criminal justice reform. Yeah. But the, what he's most known for is his advocacy on behalf of his father, Tony Lewis Sr., who was sent to prison over 30 plus years ago and served a total of 34 years in prison. In fact, I believe um, he had a life sentence, but this brother has advocated for his father ever since he was able to. Mm-hmm. And his father was just released three months ago wow. after serving 34 years in prison. And what he's currently doing with his father by him side is doing interviews such as this, educating people on the federal system as well as the state system, educating people about why they should be concerned and involved in the movement to reform our criminal justice system because of the harm and separation that it caused. So I would strongly encourage you brothers to get this brother and his father on the show. And the reason why I'm saying that because I'm looking at a father and son who has a platform where you're speaking with other black men and giving them space to vent. And I think that this brother and his father uh, will love to vent not only about the system, but about the loss of opportunity to build a relationship that you and your son has been able to build over the last you know, however many years you've been on this earth, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, this brother had to father and parent his son for 34 years behind a jail cell, my, 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 my. you know, so I think that's, uh, that would be a powerful interview. And I'll also let him know, um, you know, um, that I, I mentioned, um, his story and, and, and the story of his advocacy to you both. Oh, and, yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully you brothers have time to, you know, Create space for them to come on. Hey man, all, all yes, we sir. need, man, uh, Tony Lewis uh, Jr. is an email, brother. So if you're listening to this, man, get us that email, man. We'll be more than happy. More than happy. Absolutely. That type of story and just be yeah. able to have you in general, brother, and your dad mm-hmm. on our show, man. Yeah. Sean, before we let you go, man, give us two quick minutes, man. We always give our guests this last question, okay? Um, we set up the scenario where it's a young man that's our color, if you will, that um, has heard your story, man, heard about you being able to just overcome so much um, naturally during your time, if you will, man, and being able to, uh, you know, just, just blossom as you have. Mm-hmm. It's a young man that's standing on the bridge right now, man, getting ready to jump that bridge, right? He heard your whole episode, man. He's got the earbuds in, but he's just like, man... No, I'm still finna jump. You know, Sean, it, it, it didn't do it for me. I, he, he needs one more 
bit of motivation, mm -hmm. one more push to push him away from that bridge mm -hmm. and push him into a better life of living, man. What can you tell that young man right here, right now that will be in that scenario, listening to your voice in the next two minutes that'll get him off that bridge and get him to a better way of living? I will say to the young man that his life is worth living and that there's so many people who believes in him, who is counting on him and knows that he's going to be great and that the voices that he's hearing, the voices he's heard that have told him otherwise is a lie. And I am proof that there's more to life than what you're staring down at on this bridge. Mm -hmm. My grandmother used to tell me that she thanks God. She thanked God that he put me in the penitentiary and not the graveyard. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand when she made that statement, wow. but as a 40 year old man, um, I understand what I understood what she meant. She meant that in the penitentiary, you have a chance to get it right. Mm -hmm. You have a chance for a second chance or mm -hmm. a chance mm -hmm. in the graveyard. It's over with. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I strongly encourage any young brother within the sound of my voice who's having those thoughts, um, you know, reach out to me. Um, this is what I do. Um, I'm all about speaking life into my young brothers. And I'm also about not only speaking life into my young brothers, but sitting down and drawing out a plan of how we can make it right and how we can do what is necessary to get them over that hump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Hey, man. Yeah, I, love I love it, man. Guys, Nashville. Nashville. Sean Wilson, man. Yeah. Milwaukee, Wisconsin has graced our platform, man. Yeah, man. Dream.org. Make sure you guys tap into today's episode. Sean, we'll make sure to put every link, every social media handle, everything in today's description of the episode, man, so we can get all tapped in, man, on everything that the Dream.org has going on. Mm -hmm. But, brother, again, yeah, we man. thank you for gracing our platform, man. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, man. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you for being on our platform, man, and I feel real good now because when I come to Milwaukee, I'm going to definitely be looking you up, man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Whenever y'all in the city, man, let me know and I'll have them roll out the red carpet, man. Yes, sir. You know, we, 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 um, we, we just like y'all, man. So yeah. you, you can expect to, you know, run into y'all when y'all step foot in Milwaukee. Yes, no sir. Doubt. Yes, no sir. doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. Hey, man, tap in, man. This has been a good episode, guys. Great. Great. To Sean Wilson, to his wife, to his kids, his family, man. We thank y'all for letting us steal him for an hour, man, yeah. and be able to give him to share his story on our platform, man. Yeah, man. Let's get out of here, guys. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. You can do what you can, and you can't with what you can't. Nashville, until next week, it's a wrap. Black man, don't get trapped. Yes, sir. Hey, Sean. Woo. What's going on, Nashville? We want to thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. As mentioned earlier in today's episode, we want to make sure that we give honor and thanks 
to the sponsors of Black Men Vent 2. Our sponsor for today's episode is none other than Mr. Tony Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins, we thank you for investing into the Black Men Vent 2 podcast. If you would like to be announced as a sponsor during our episodes, give us an email at blackmenvent, the number two, at yahoo.com. Again, if you would like to financially help and sponsor Black Men Vent 2, please email us at B-L-A-C-K-M-E-N-V-E-N-T, the number two, at yahoo.com. This has been another episode of the Black Men Vent 2 podcast. Good morning.